We don't need Kenny G here. We have our very own. Hey, we're going to read the Christmas story to kids. So if you're a kid, not a kid at heart, if you're a kid, why don't you come up here, if you would. First one up here gets a new car for mom and dad. Just kidding. New car. Come on up here, guys. We're going to sit down right here. Come on over here, okay? Then we're just going to kind of sit right here. Come on up. Yep. Good job. Good job. Y'all look so nice. Got the tie, the hat. Turn, turn around and face this way, okay? Turn around and face this way. Turn and face this way, guys. Face this way. There we go. Look at you guys. Looking so nice. Girls looking so pretty. Boys looking so handsome. Okay, I'm going to read the Christmas story. Now, uh, before I read the Christmas story, I want someone to tell me, where do you find the Christmas story? Does anybody know? You don't know, where, where do you find the Christmas story? In the Bible, okay, in the first service, someone said in a bookstore, which was also true. Yeah, you're right, though. Where in the Bible would you find it? Do you know? Oh, in the table of contents? Good answer. That's fantastic. Woo! Man. That's awesome. Ask the seventh grader, okay. All right, well, it's in Luke chapter 2. Luke is one of four gospels the gospels are in the new testament the gospels are the story of jesus life and birth now uh i'm gonna read and i'm gonna ask you some questions along the way before we do that though tell me what, what are you getting for christmas anybody want to tell me what, what are you getting for christmas what, what are you getting for christmas what are you getting what is it can you translate that for me <laughs> an lol doll oh that's awesome what about you you have no idea. Okay, good. All the way in the back there. Say, say it really loud, what? Big 1,000-piece Star Wars Lego set. That's fantastic. What about you, sir? A GPS? Oh, a 3DS. Okay, that's a totally different gift altogether. It's like a GPS? Where are you going? What about you? Something for your dog and something for yourself. Come on, right there. Something for your dog. Look at that. That's awesome. And you're getting all kinds of stuff. One more. One more. What about you? Yep. A phone. Holy cow. Good luck, Mom. Okay. I'm going to read. Okay, guys? You ready? So I'm going to start reading in Luke chapter 2. It's not real long. And I'll ask you some questions as we go along, okay? So in those days, Caesar Augustus made a law. Do you know who Caesar Augustus was? Who was that? Do anybody know? You know what the word Caesar means? It means king. It was the king. He was the king of that, of, the, of that empire, the Roman Empire. It was required that a list be made of everyone in the whole Roman world, and it was the first time a list had been made of the people while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to their own towns to be listed. Now, how many of you have ever heard of a historian? Do you know what a historian studies? What is a historian study? History. Way to go. All the, all the best historians say this story happened this way. All the reputable historians say that. So Joseph went also. Who was Joseph? Who was Joseph? The one who built the boat. The one who built the boat. Well, okay, yeah, okay, close. Yep, who's Joseph? Jesus' dad, okay. Uh, he went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. That is where Bethlehem, the town of David, was. Joseph went there because he belonged to the family line of David. Do you know what a family line is? 
That means your dad's 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 dad, right? That's, that's who, great, 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 great grandpa. Joseph went there because he belonged to the family line of David. He went there with Mary to be listed. Mary was engaged to him, and she was expecting a baby. Do, do any of you have, your mom is expecting a baby, or you were alive when your mom was maybe getting ready to have your brother or sister? Anybody? Yeah? Okay, if your mom is expecting a baby, she's very tired, so be very nice to her, okay? Probably should have said that right there. While Joseph and Mary were there, the time came for the child to be born, and she gave birth to her first baby. It was a boy. She wrapped him in large strips of cloth, and then she placed him in a manger. Do you know what a manger is? You see this thing over here? What, do you, what is a manger usually used for? Do you have any idea? What? Animals eat out of it. How many of you were born where animals eat corn? Anybody? You were? Wow. Okay. There was no room for them in the end. Mom and dad work on that. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, and it was night, and they were looking after their sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. If you were outside at night, and all of a sudden it lit up, and there was a choir singing, would you be scared? I would be scared. I would be. I would be terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Everybody say that really loud. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Good job. I bring you good news of great joy. It was for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Here is how you will know I am telling you the truth. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly a large group of angels from heaven also appeared, and they were praising God. And they said, may glory be given to God in the highest heaven, and may Peace be given to those he is pleased with on earth. And then the angels left and went into heaven. Then the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found... Who did they find? Mary and Joseph. Say Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph. Okay, good job. And the baby, the baby was lying in the manger. After the shepherds had seen him, they told everyone. They reported what the angel had said about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary kept all these things like a secret treasure in her heart. She thought about them over and over. Did you know that? You didn't know that? No, you know. The shepherds returned. They gave glory and praise to God. Everything they had seen and heard was just as they had been told. That is the beginning of the very first Christmas. Great job listening. You guys can go sit back down. Let's hear it, Let's hear it for our kids. I want you to watch uh, something about the very first Christmas on this video. Friends! Ah, Jaspis! <laughs> so good to see you again. <clears throat> we were just preparing to depart to Bethlehem to visit the manger. Forgive my truancy. Even as a wise man, it proved difficult to find the perfect gift for the Prince of Peace. Ah, yes. And what gift did you choose, Jaspis? I desired something both precious and unique. So I traveled through Egypt for three months to the land of Punt and found a bottle of frankincense. Oh, a perfect gift indeed, Jaspers. <laughs> I too traveled far to the Arabian Peninsula, nearly losing my life in exchange for a bottle of myrrh. How glorious. <laughs> Brothers, I have a confession to make. I'm afraid that my gift did not require a long journey. But verily, I did sell all that I own 
to procure this gold for our Lord. <gasps> Balthazar, most impressive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Doron, I nearly forgot about you. What have you found for Almighty, even the King of Kings? Well, I decideth to be a little more practical in my gift selection, so don't judge. <laughs> of course not, Doron. I'm sure that you spent many years selecting a humble yet appropriate item. Yes. Yes, that is, yep, sure did. <laughs> well, we better head out, brothers. <laughs> Show us the gift, Dora. Is it just me, or, or is the star starting to look a little dimmer? You know, we, we should get going. <laughs> Show us the gift, Dora. All right, fine. But remember, we all agreed beforehand on a 10 shekel limit. And none of you followed that. Relax, Doron. For it is not the price that is important, but the thought that... I got him a gift card. <sighs> That's great. Yes. <sighs> yes. Why did I put this off until the last minute? This is like the least wise thing I have ever done. I'm sure it'll be fine, Doron. No, no. You guys always do this to me. You remember last year at the Wiseman White Elephant Gift Exchange? You brought an actual white elephant. How was I supposed to compete with that? I'm sure your gift will get used eventually. Uh, yay, perhaps Joseph will use it to buy a new tool belt. Yes. Tool belt. Or as a regift. Uh, um, but, but in any case, brethren, we must depart. No, I can't show up to the manger with this. Mary's gonna be like, gold, frankincense, myrrh, gift card? Wow, what a perfect gift for my son. AKA, the most important person ever. Settle down, Doron. Just make sure that you give it with Even the shepherd boy is gonna one-up me with a cute, adorable baby wall hat he made. Man, they're gonna call me a fool man after this. Look, I'll tell them we went halfsies on the merch. Trust me, he'll know that we didn't, okay? I mean, I just gotta pray that this gift is good enough to... Wait, this expires 1 AD. That's today! I gotta come up with something else out of my way! What are we going to do, Jaspers? They're expecting four gifts. You need a fourth gift, you say? <laughs> All right, let's take the little drummer boy. Get out of here while Doran's distracted. Yeah. I did it! The perfect gift! Guys? Guys? Hey! Oh, I see how it is. So you're the three wise men now, huh? Yeah, like that'll catch on. Y'all gonna miss me? Ah, <laughs> uh, you didn't know it happened that way, did you? I'm gonna invite you to stand with me. We're gonna read a little more of the Christmas story together. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along. I'll read it aloud. Here we go. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. 
His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called King of the Jews. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For, for no word from God will ever fail. Will you read this last line out loud with me? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I've found that the best way to influence my present is to think about God's future. Now, if you're like me, you get yourself into situations in the present moment and you don't quite know what to do. You've got different courses of action you could take, different directions you could go, different decisions you could make, and you're not quite sure what to do. Maybe you've got a great option in front of you, or maybe you've got what feels like the only option, or a really negative option, and you're not quite sure what you need to do. I've found that in those moments, the best thing to guide my present moment is to think about God's future, what he wants for me, where he's taking me, where he's taking all of us. If you've been around here, we talk uh, on a somewhat regular basis about what, what I call the box test. And the box test is this. There's coming a day when you will be in a box at the front of a room like this. And the people that have been a part of your life will stand up and say things about the life that you lived. And the question, the box test is, what will they say? Uh, this has been on my mind uh, on Thursday uh, due to the generosity of a friend. I was able to attend my aunt's funeral in Oklahoma. Uh, my aunt was the closest sister to my mom. My mom died when I was 16, and her closest sister died this last week. And I was able to be there for the funeral, and she passed the box test. I listened to family and people who knew her stand up and say things about her. She passed the box test. Well, maybe you've heard us talk about that. And you've said, okay, well, what are the, what exactly are the criteria for the box test? How will I know if I pass the box test? I'd like to give you three criteria that I think are worth considering and that can help you think about your present moment in light of God's future. Here's the first one. I hope that people on that day for you stand up and say that you love God. Because here's what happens when you love God. When you love God, it's always a response to realizing that God loved you first. You realize that you couldn't earn God's love and that God, as an act of love and kindness and grace, loved you first. And in response to that, it grows love in your heart. And so because you love God, what you find growing in you is a sense of goodness because the goodness of God, you understand, gets transferred to your heart and to your life and you become a different kind of person. And so your life takes on a moral kind of beauty. There's an integrity that starts to begin to work its way into your life, and you become a person of character, and because you love God, you begin to have the kind of vision for the world around you that God has, and you have, a, you have an understanding that grows about justice and about things like compassion. A, a kind of holiness and awe begins to pervade your outlook when you love God. And if on the day that you are 
passing or not passing the box test. I hope people say that. One of the other criteria is that you would be someone who loves people, that compassion would be the way that you interact with people. And so things like what the Apostle Paul calls the fruit of God's Spirit in your life, things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, these are the kinds of ways that more and more uh, pervade the way that you interact with other people. They're the flavor of how you interact with the people around you. Uh, so if on, the, on the day of you pass the box test or not, I hope people say that about you, that you, he loved me. Uh, her kindness is the thing that won me over. She was so patient with me. Uh, she had so much compassion. Uh, one of the, the last thing that I would say is a criteria for the box test, passing it or not, is that people would stand up and say that you served the world, that you were, uh, your life was gripped by a bigger purpose than just the same old, same old that you had a grander vision that you were giving your life to, that your work wasn't just about your work, your work was a way that you uh, worked out the purposes of God for your life, and so every moment of your life took on significance, and not just that you had this great big picture of your life, but that you were the kind of person who would do the mundane things, and people would say, you know what, they had this great purpose that they gave themselves to, but they were also willing to do things like clean the toilet and take out the trash, because you're a servant, and people say those kinds of things about you. I, I, I find that when I'm in my present moment and I'm not sure what to do next, I think about God's future, about those three things, and it helps to reorient me in my present moment. Now, this is right where we come to the message of Christmas, because as I was ticking off those criteria, some of you were sitting there thinking, man, I don't meet that, and I'm not so great at that, and boy, I, I don't think that's a part of my life. And so the message of Christmas is that something else can be born in you and grow and become something more than you are. You, you can live a different kind of a life. Now, I want to kind of mix my metaphors here a little bit. Uh, we've been in this series called A Seat at the Table. We've been talking about uh, having a seat at the table for everybody, about how God always welcomes the wrong people. And so as a church, we want to welcome the wrong people. And that God's house is going to be full. And so we've done things like prepare a seat at the table for the 1,700 people who came to the Christmas concert last Sunday. Um, we've done things like give in the Christmas offering, and we're 94% of the way to our goal. If you want to still be a part of that, reallifecc.org slash offering. You can still be a part of that. Because we're making a seat at the table for people. We're going to meet people's needs. Uh, but uh, like we're going to do at my house tomorrow, I'm going to let my kids open their gifts first, and then my wife open her gifts, and then, uh, then I'll probably go last. Because you want, right? You want other people to open the gifts, but then you also want to open some gifts for yourself. So we're kind of talking about you at the very end of this series because you've got to look at your own life. And you've got to wonder, is there a seat at the table for me? So you might say it this way. When we're talking about you letting God have a seat at your table, we're saying it like this. We're saying that you ought to turn over the table of your life to God. When my family sits around the table for dinner, I have my spot. I have my spot at the head of the table. And my spot at the head of the table means that I'm in charge of the table. And if someone tries to sit in my spot, I say, hey, get out of my seat. That's my spot. I'm in charge of this table. And in the same way, you are, in effect, in charge of the table of your life. And you can turn it over to someone else. You can let something else be born in you so that someone else is at the head of the table of your life. And if, in the words of Mary, if you could let something else be born in you, you could become that kind of person 
who passes the box test. It's not totally foreign to us to have something new born in us. We kind of know what this is. That might sound like, what do you mean born in you? What, what are you talking about? Well, we, we kind of know what this is like. I remember the moment that compassion was born in me. Uh, I was 11 years old or so, and we were on the way, my mom, my sister, and I, in the, uh, our 1981 blue Datsun with the three-speed uh, little teeny car, and we were on our way to a church service, and it was about dinner time, and so my mom pulled into Sonic, and if you know Sonic, you know, you pull in and you roll down the window, and then you push the button, and then you order the number two, and the grape slushy and the tater tots, because that's what you're supposed to do when you go to Sonic. And they bring it out to you and you eat it. And we were sitting there eating our food in the car at Sonic, the way God intended for food to be eaten. And um, kidding. some of you are like, really? Uh, we're sitting there and this guy who was, even as an 11-year-old, understood this was someone who didn't have a home, started walking up to our car. And I remember that my mom could have done something like, roll the windows up, kids, I don't want you talking to that person, but here's what my mom did. My mom rolled the window down, and she looked out at the man, and she said, hey, have you had anything to eat today? And then she asked him what he wanted, and she pushed the button. I remember that was a pivotal moment in my life that compassion was born in me through my mother's powerful example. I remember when curiosity was born in me. My cousin that I saw on Thursday. It was his mother that passed away. Kendall was uh, about 12 years older than me, and when I was a kid, he would get out the encyclopedias that we had, and uh, he would read us, and he would give color commentary on encyclopedias. I don't know how he made it fun, but he made it fun, and we would sit next to him, and every time he would come over, we'd say, Kendall, read to us, and he would read us, and I remember how curiosity about learning and life and uh, growing and understanding in a bigger and better way, I remember how that grew in me, Curiosity was born in me that day. I remember when drive was born in me in the third grade when Mrs. Healy uh, had a whole thing about handwriting and how my handwriting wasn't the right way and how she pointed that out to the class and I'm like, well, I'm not going to let that happen again. And, and I, I, I remember drive being born in me. I, re- I remember when that happened. And here's what I'm asking you, though, to do on Christmas Eve 2017 is that you would let what Mary let happen, that you would let Christ be born in you. I remember when I made the decision that I wanted Christ to be born in me, and I looked at the life of Jesus, and I looked at how Jesus taught, and I looked at the the way he interacted with people, and the example he gave to all of humanity, and when I understood that he died a sacrificial death, and in, in his act of death being accepting an unjust form of death by being crucified on a cross at the hands of people who were out to get him, that he overturned the cycle of violence in the world, and then he rose again from the dead. And I went, I examined all the evidence for that because I need, I need proof that things like that happened when you're talking about a miracle on that kind of level. And I remember I went, that, I want that person in my life. I want that person. I want, I want to know that person. And so here's what I would say to you if you want to have some guidance for your present moment, or maybe you're confused, and maybe you're contemplating doing something that you know will only make the situation worse. What if the gift that you got Christmas 2017 was Christ being born in you? Now, you can't have Christmas without Christ. Christ must. 
I know some places and some uh, locales in our country today think that you can have Christmas without Christ. I know in Washington, D.C., there's a recent thing. The Catholic Church tried to put ads for the actual Christmas on the sides of buses, and the, the D.C. Metro came back and said, you know what, that's a little too controversial at Christmas time. Uh, we don't want you to put those. And so they banned having the ads about the Christ child at Christmas. Now, you can, you can have that. You can have Christ without Christmas. You can have Christmas without Christ, but what you're going to get is a commercialized holiday where some people who are smart at marketing have figured out how to manipulate your emotions and your sentimentality and get you to buy things. That's what you're left with if you have Christmas without Christ. But Christmas is about the coming of Christ into the world, and not just the world, but the availability of Christ to your human heart. You know, the name that, Je that Jesus was given, Jesus, is a Hebrew word, Yeshua. Do you know what Yeshua means? It means God saves. God saves me from my mess. I'm in my present moment. I'm not sure how to make my way out of it. I know I'm not good enough. I know right now I don't love God. I know I'm not that great at loving people. I know I don't have a grander vision for my life. But God can save me out of that mess. And Christmas 2017 could be the time that Christ is born in you. And you could, like Mary, say, okay, how the Beatles famously put it, let it be to me according to your word. And this could be the start of a whole new future for you and your family and the generations to come. And I promise you, you do this, you will pass the box test. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to end by singing a song and lighting a candle. And I, I, want, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I mean by that, that you've let the Christ child come in. That's how you have a Merry Christmas. It has nothing to do with the gifts you give or get. But I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to stand with me if you would. And we'll light the candles, and then um, you can keep your children from burning your neighbor down. <laughs> and uh, we'll go and enjoy Christmas together. Let's pray. Thank you so much, uh, God, that you saw fit to come into our world. You came to a family that was poor, that had no influence, that had no power that nobody knew on that first Christmas. No one knew the first Christmas was happening, just some shepherds whose reputation was questionable. Just a, a pregnant young teenage girl who everyone was questioning her character. And just a, just a young man who everyone was questioning what decision he was making and how he was letting his future be changed by this young pregnant girl. Just them. You came in an obscure place in a humble way just to show us that you can come to us. You can come to our hearts. So Jesus, we want you to be born in us today. We want this to be the moment that a new future starts for us, that a new beginning. And for those of us who maybe we've gotten at a distance from you, we'd, we'd again say, oh, be born in me today. Come and take over the table of my life. Sit at the head. Make the decisions. Show me a better way. Talk with me. Counsel me. Guide me. So we invite you, Christ of Christmas, into our hearts this morning. Thank you. We pray this in your name. All God's people said, Amen. <laughs>